Go ahead and grab a seat. Again, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we do have a nursery available if kids want to head back to there, but all kids are welcome to uh, stay and be with us this morning. We'd love for everyone uh, to stick in here. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about uh, heaven. And just think for a minute about what comes to mind when you think about heaven. Oftentimes, when we think of it, we think of like a progressive commercial in the sky uh, with a bunch of just white all around, you know, and not a whole lot going on, or angels singing on clouds, or you're thinking about, well, Hey, could I really like worship God forever? Is that really what's going to happen? And like, I don't know if I'm in on that. I don't really like to sing that much. Like, I don't know if I'm into that sort of thing. Like, what is heaven? What are we called to think about when we think about heaven? There's a story uh, that I, I heard recently about a, a couple who was very old. They had a great long marriage. They died within the same week of each other. And so they were getting a tour uh, around heaven. They just absolutely love it. They think this place is, is amazing. And the husband says to the wife, like, this is like that cruise we went on. It's just, uh, this has everything that you could possibly want. You can eat all this food whenever you want and play all these games. And the wife's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing up here. And then the husband says, yeah, we could have been here 20 years ago if you didn't have me eat all those bran muffins. Like, I, we could have been here a long time ago. This is what we think about when you think about having those kind of cheesy stories about bran muffins and what we're going to have up there and not down here. We think about those kinds of things when in Scripture, I think, it calls us to think more accurately about what's happening in the here and now, not just something that's going to happen someplace in the future. In fact, Heaven is mentioned 600 times in Scripture, and there are times when it's mentioned as kind of like this firmament, this place on high, but more often it's talking about how we are called to bring heaven here, that we are called to participate in, in seeing how things look in our world today and the brokenness that we see in our world today through the lenses of heaven, and then ask ourselves the hard question of how can I enter in and be part of the solution? The book of Colossians, Paul says this, Now then, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So basically, see the world in such a way that you would see it through the lens of what God would hope and intend for it to be, and then consider how you can participate in that. How can I Join in. How can we join in in bringing about what God would want so we don't have our minds on the same thing that everybody else does? We don't just think in the same way that everybody else does. Instead, we look at the problems of our world and we think, you know, God, what is it that you are calling me to do? And instead of maybe complaining and sitting on the sidelines and just being the person who complains about everything, what if you were the one who said, I want to choose to enter in. I want to participate in bringing about God's hope into the world. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, uh, he, he says this in the Gospel of Matthew. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus teaches this to his disciples, and I think we also learn from that prayer uh, as well. And he talks about some practical stuff, like give us our daily bread, but that's just like just barely enough, right? That's just give me enough. Uh, most of us have way more than enough, especially around the holiday season. But he also says, pray that heaven would come more here, that the reality of what is there would be more real here. And then launch from that perspective. You know, think about 
what I am calling you to do. Think about what you're calling me to be in the world. This isn't like, beam me up, Scotty. This is like, no, I'm going to address the real problems of the world through the lenses of heaven. I'm going to recognize that things here aren't like there. And how could I be someone who uses my passions, uses my gifts to see the problems that exist in our world and think about how we could be part of bringing more of their here. I love the theologian who, who says that uh, God's going to let everyone into heaven who can stand it. And he goes on to say, if you're a racist, you're not going to like it there. If you're somebody who has bitterness in your heart towards a certain group of people, and you like eventually get to be united with God, you know what God's move is going to be? You're going to be right next to that certain group of people, right? And there's going to be a day when there aren't the separations that we have here on earth. There's going to be a day when we will all be together. Well, we will be unified. So if you're struggling with a certain sin or you have this thing in your heart that is like preventing you from loving a certain group of people or loving a certain person, at some point you have to let go of that thing because you might get to heaven and be surprised that somebody's there and somebody's going to be surprised you're there. And we have to ask the hard questions. What things do I need to release and say, you know, this, this relationship is hard and, and, it, and it's broken, but how can I look at it perhaps from a heavenly perspective and say, I, I need to let go. What stuff, God, do I need to let go of so I can participate more in the reality of heaven right now, not like far off in the future, but God, how can I experience that more and more? And how could we pray in such a way to say, God, help me be part of something that's bigger than just myself, What's interesting is there's now research upon research that um, being part of, of something or an organization with a group of people that think very differently than you and where you don't always get your way is actually like really, really healthy for you. Like it's really, really healthy. And I say, yeah, I know church is healthy for me, even though it's not always the place where I get my way. And it's, it's a place where we, we gather and we try to seek the will of God for, together. And so sometimes that means that I win, but sometimes that means that my way loses. And ultimately, that's really good for us. And unfortunately, I think we view it completely differently. Oftentimes, we come into churches today with a checklist of like, okay, here are the five things this church needs to have for me to continue to participate in this church. You know, if you have kids, like a, a really great children's ministry or uh, whatever it is, whatever you come into and you're like, okay, what are the, the, the five things that this church needs to have? And that's a horrible way to view what you're trying to do together as a community. And if that is your perspective, eventually you're going to grow to not like the church, whatever church you're a part of, because it's not going to perfectly meet those, meet those five things. So study after study shows that the gathering together and seeking God together and being part of something that is, is way bigger than yourself is extremely healthy for you. I think it's because that's what heaven's like. Because there's going to be a time and a place where we ultimately will unite with God and the things that keep us apart from each other, these things that we can hold on to, the way that our world can get broken and messed up, those things won't exist anymore, but that requires us submitting ourselves and our will to God's work in the world. Dallas Willard was a, a famous 
theologian, and he wrote many great books, which I would recommend checking out. He was actually at USC in their philosophy department, uh, but he's written some fantastic stuff. And at the end of his life in 2013, his family was, was gathered around him, and they said that his, his last words, he like, had his daughter come really close up to him, and he, he said, honey, give him heaven. And I think that could be a mission for all of us as God's people in the world. Give them heaven. So yeah, it's hard to work with your boss. Maybe eventually it's so bad you need to find another job. But while you're there, give them or her heaven. Yeah, you've had some brokenness in your life and your, your neighbor is... A little bit annoying. But while you're there, give him or her heaven. May we look at our relationship and all that we have in our world, our resources, everything that we have from a heavenly perspective. And that's not just like I'm going to escape all this one day when I die. But God, how can I be part of bringing heaven to earth here now? How can I be part of doing your good work in the world. And I think ultimately this gives us deeper meaning and joy. Hopefully you've had a chance over the holiday season to have some really meaningful conversation and times with people who are very close to you. And what that means is we actually recognize that more fully. We say like this gathering, this is a signpost of heaven. That's what Jesus often as he speaks about heaven, he talks about it like a great feast or a banquet. So it's actually making life more significant and more meaningful. It's not about like, let's just hit the eject button someday. It's about really recognizing that this moment that we have right now, it's sacred. We don't know how many of these we're going to have. And when you're in that space, you don't trivialize it. You see it as a preview of things to come. And so we don't rush through these moments. We try to seek more meaning in our lives. Because truly, it's a picture of heaven. I love how John Ortberg describes this. He says, In a world redeemed from sin relationships, there'd be healthy children, everyone would be healthy, and all children would be safe. Israeli and Palestinian children would play together on the West Bank. In offices, executives would scheme to help others succeed, they would compliment each other behind their backs. Well, there would still be lawyers, perhaps, or they'd have really important jobs like delivering pizza, which would be non-fat and healthy. (laughs) Doors would have no locks. Cars would have no alarms. Schools wouldn't need a police presence. Churches would never split. Homeless shelters would be turned into community recreation centers. Every time a human being touches another, it would be to express delight. We would all be united in our common humanity. God would be at the center of everything. Can you imagine a world like that? Maybe there's a line in there that really sticks out to you. And maybe that is your calling. Maybe you care a lot about children. You care a lot about communities working together and loving each other. What if we could have a heavenly imagination to view our world not just as it is, but how one day it'll be. We could say, God, what part do you want me to play 
in that. Like there's so many aspects of this that are important. Something that I try to speak about every once in a while just because I think it's so important. One aspect of viewing our world through this, this heavenly mindset would be understanding that the gospel isn't sin prevention, though it's an awesome part of it. The, the gospel and the fact that we have our, our sins forgiven by Christ on the cross, that is a fantastic and really core element of what the gospel is. But oftentimes in churches, we talk about it like that, and then we act like that's the end. But ultimately, what happens is you are forgiven, so then you are at peace with God and peace with other people. And we kind of miss that part, right? Basically, we can think of it as just kind of this, this sin thing, and so then we do something, and then we take communion, we're like, sorry, God, and then we come back again, it's like, sorry, God, it happened again. And God's like, okay, I, I still forgive you, that, that's all right, I forgive you a million times over, but can we work on this so you'll be at more peace with yourself and at peace with other people? Like, I, I love you. You are my child. That's great. I'll forgive you over and over and over again. But can we, like, figure this out so you aren't constantly living with a sense of anxiety? I'm calling you to wholeness. I'm calling you to completeness. The Old Testament, the word shalom is, is the goal of the Jewish mindset. It, it's peace with God and peace with others. And it's not just that you're, like, strumming a heart by... Uh, by a stream somewhere. It's that actually you can have peace even while there's conflict, even while there's things going on in your life. So if you think about the goal of what's happening from that perspective, that heavenward perspective of like, this is what God is calling me to. It's not just a sinless life. It's actually better than that. It's about us working together towards a deeper sense of wholeness. Well, then think about Something like generosity, that when we get paychecks, it's easy to think like, well, I'm just really smart, and I, you know, I earned this. I went to like seven years of school for this, and it's just mine. I'm trying to keep all of it for myself. And instead, what if we could just say, I want to use what I have to bless other people? I want to be open-handed with what I have. I want to be able to have conversations. I want to be able to not be somebody who just always passes the check to someone else and looks the other way. I love how my friend Chris Seedman says this. He says, having my mind set on heaven helps me to use my resources to reach people. When my mind is set here, I'm more apt to use people to get more money. I end up using people to reach things. It's a great way to say it. And what if you could see your resources through the lens of heaven? That I want to participate in bringing the good news of Jesus to our world, even with my resources, even with my money, with my time. If we had this perspective, I think it honestly would change everything about us. And I think it's why the Bible ends the way that it does. What's the last book of the Bible? Revelation. Now, that was a really stirring. You guys are like, not sure about that. Yes, it is. Revelation. Things haven't changed. Yes, it is. It is. It is Revelation. That was not a trick question. Uh, Revelation ends with this, pic, this picture of what heaven is. It's, it's this glorious picture, and it's confusing and strange at times, and I would invite you. Uh, we're going to start a class on Revelation at 9.30 uh, across the hall on Sunday mornings for the next several weeks, and we'll try and figure out whatever parts of it that we can, because uh, it's a very interesting and, and odd book, but it's this picture, and I think the reason that it's in there is we need a picture in our lives of 
what it's, it's going to look like with God on the throne. And basically, it's, it's a preview of coming attractions. Like, this is what is to come. That's a great way for the Bible to end, because how are we leaning into this reality, not just far off in the future, but how are we participating in this more and more now? Because we all need to understand that one day all this stuff is going to be redeemed. One day you are going to, to stand before God. And what is it that perhaps you're holding on to? That at that moment, God's going to be like, yeah, you shouldn't have clung so tightly to that. Why couldn't you have just been a little more open with, with your resources? A little more generous with your time? Why didn't you understand that calling that I put on your heart to go and serve in that community? Why don't you participate more in what I'm doing now? Not just waiting to be reunited with me one day. We know that this is the way that the world like, actually works better, not just like in, in the Christian world, but in general. You're probably familiar with the Marriott Hotel Company. It actually started as this is the start of the Marriott Hotel Company. It was a A&W root beer stand. And it started in the beginning of the 1900s as a root beer stand. And over the years, it, it grew, obviously. And they have said that one of the main reasons for its success and its unbelievable growth is the, the humble and, and servant-hearted nature of the leadership throughout Marriott's existence. They always have, have thought, the Marriott family, that it was about service, and it's not about this like top-down mentality, but it's about people just, just serving each other and loving each other, kind of no matter what their title is, and that's kind of the, the goal and the foundation of the company. An article uh, by Forbes, it, it said this about the uh, executive chairman, Bill Marriott, on any given day around lunchtime, 86-year-old executive chairman Bill Marriott finds his way to the cafeteria on the ground floor of the Bethesda, Maryland headquarters. He picks up a tray, chooses some food, stands in line, and pay for his, pays for his meal just like any other employee. He then found the, finds a table and has lunch with anyone who wishes to join him. Despite being the executive chairman and one of the richest people in the country, Bill eschews, I think that's how you say that, I don't say that very often, special treatment. He shows up for lunch as he does for board meetings, as an ordinary person, when engaging with employees and clients, he brings interest, presence, and care rather than status, hierarchy, and power. This article in Forbes was arguing that this is the way that the company has grown from a seven-station AWP, rest, or a, a, um, ANW, uh, root beer, uh, stand to what it is now. And we look at that, and we all think, yeah, this is how the world it should be, right? That whether you're the CEO or you're a beginning employee who just is on his first or her first day, you should be able to sit next to the executive chairman, who it's kind of crazy that he's 86 and still doing all this, but he is. We look at that, and we say, that's how 
It always should be. And ultimately, I think that's because we know that's what heaven will be like one day. You're going to have people who never completed any formal education sitting next to some of the most advanced learners in the world. You're going to have CEOs sitting next to people who never had a job at all. God will be at the center of it all. I think one of the problems in in our world today is that we breathe pretty superficial air. We constantly have things that are distracting us and coming at us, and we just generally live with a sense of just kind of superficial conversation. We don't often think about the deeper things of life. You know, what is it that I'm called to participate in? How could I be part of bringing God's good news into the world? And so ultimately, I think we end up just similar to the similar mindset, just how everyone else is viewing things. I love how Albert Einstein, the genius, said this. He said, not everything that, can, that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. It's a really, you have to think about it for a minute, but it's a really good way to think about what, what is really significant and most important in life. Because we can start to think in terms of money or profits or whatever it is. We can think in those ways, and sometimes those are good indications uh, for success uh, in life. But ultimately... I think we're called to think in terms of people and connecting to others, being part of other people's lives, not getting so caught up in the things that sometimes can be counted right in front of us. May we truly give them heaven with our lives. To look at relationships that perhaps we need to improve some people that we need to forgive. May we look at our resources and our time to say, I, I want to try to give people a greater sense of God's activity in the world and ultimately where we are all going. What is it perhaps that you think, if you're standing before God, what is it that maybe you'd say, you know, I probably shouldn't be holding on to that anymore. I probably shouldn't be so focused in that area. Or yeah, I really do feel that call to go volunteer at this organization or give some money to this organization. I keep feeling that call and God, I'm finally just going to do it. I'm going to write the check. I'm going to spend some time. Because people like that who choose over and over again to enter in that change the world. Richard Beck, who's a professor at Abilene Christian University, a school where I went to grad school, He goes every Tuesday night to a maximum security prison, and he spends time talking about God to the inmates who are there. He said many profound experiences through that, though at times it's challenging to sit with a group of people that are very different uh, than him. And he continues to teach them about the scriptures and uh, the Bible, and he's had some really amazing things that have happened through that ministry. And he said one time he was having this conversation with this guy named Steve, who had committed a felony, he was in prison for life. And they were having this conversation about the love of God, and Steve raised his hand and said, it's easy for you to talk about that, but like, how do I know that God loves me? How do I know that really anybody loves me? Because no one in my entire life has ever told me. 
that they love me. And Richard said in that moment he was struck by the overwhelming difficulty of trying to communicate love to somebody like that. And he said he wasn't sure exactly how he was going to do it. But what he was going to do is continue to show up every Tuesday night and to say to Steve, through his words and his actions, I love you. I think that's a small picture of who we're called to be. To show up to people who are hard to love, to continue to be in the lives of people who sometimes have hurt us. To think perhaps about a, a cause that you're really passionate about. And to just say, you know, I love you. I choose to be with you. I stand with you. Because when we do that, I think we all get to experience a glimpse of heaven. May we, this week and throughout 2020, find ways to give the good news of heaven to our community, to our friends, to people that God is calling us to serve. Because it's in those conversations with someone like Steve, it's in those moments that we get to participate in what Jesus calls us to pray. May your kingdom come here. Not just let me wait until I can escape from here. But may your kingdom come here. And may it truly start with me. Let's stand and worship together. And healthy relationships. All children would be safe. Israeli and Palestinian children would play together on the West Bank. And offices, executives would scheme to help each other succeed. They would compliment each other behind their backs. Oh, there would be lawyers, perhaps, but they would have really important jobs like delivering pizza, which would be non-fat and healthy. Doors would have no locks. Cars would have no alarms. Schools would need no police presence. Churches would never split. Homeless shelters would be turned into community recreation centers. Every time a human being touches another, it would be to express delight. We'd all be united in our common humanity. God would be at the center of everything. There may be a sentence in there that really appeals to you, and you say, I want to be part of bringing that into the world, but maybe you're called to write your own. What is it that when you see the brokenness, the hurt, it's in the world that you feel God is calling you to. What is it that God would say to you, you be part of bringing heaven to earth in this area or in this place? Because what if we could all be part of bringing a vision like this more fully into the world? Hope you guys have a great week. Give them heaven. <laughs>